Hello and welcome to the Go Sell Something podcast. I'm Rob Murphy, and here at Affinity, we multiply your profits by helping you build and optimize your sales team. We have Sarah Warlick with us today. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Rob. Thanks so much. I'm excited to, to join you today. Sarah has been in sales since 2012. She was in recruiting sales actually for a while, doing similar to what we do here. She leveraged a sales role for a recruiting firm into a job at LinkedIn in Chicago. And within two years, she was promoted to senior account executive. And she's actually the only senior account executive responsible for dealing with recruiting firms. She's responsible for relationships with over 100 recruiting firms annually, from one-person shops to multinational corporations with hundreds of recruiters. And one of the main reasons I asked her to join is because she is the author of one of the most impressive sales calls I've ever been a part of. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> Sarah, how'd you get into sales in the first place? Yeah, thanks Thanks for that uh, that intro there, Rob. In, in terms of how I got into sales, I, I think kind of the same way a lot of people get in, which is you fall into it. You don't know it's going to be the career that you jump into. And for me, after I, I graduated college, I got connected actually with a sales recruiter because I wasn't sure what type of job I wanted to dive into. And that recruiter actually introduced me to what the industry is, what it really means to be in sales, what a day-to-day -day would be like. And he got me really my first true sales position, which was at a search and recruiting firm called Beacon Hill in Chicago. You're out in San Francisco. You're with LinkedIn. That's got to be pretty cool. I am curious, is it awesome to live in San Fran right now or is it a tough deal? <laughs> Depends on who you're talking to. Uh, for me, I'll tell you why I absolutely love it. And then I'll tell you kind of the other end of the spectrum, why you may hear others say they're not loving it right now. So for one, I love it. You know, as we all know, during the last year, we've been a little bit more um, at home than normal, but San Francisco has great consistent weather where I'm able to run, hike, be at parks, even have learned surfing over, <laughs> over nice. the pandemic because there's, yeah, there's a lot of really cool towns in Northern California, um, little beach towns, so you can do a lot of getaway weekends. So for that, I, that's like the driving factor why I love San Francisco. Now on the opposite end, people really have been fleeing cities, you know, major cities such as San Francisco over the last year because remote work, you don't need to be going to an office. You don't need to be paying, you know, higher amounts of rent or mortgage because um, that's typically higher cost of living. And again, with the remote work, a lot of folks have been actually leaving um, San Francisco and getting more of the out of the city life per se. So that would be kind of the, the twofold. But I, I personally love it. And it's been um, it's been great living here over the last two years. Tell us a little bit about. What was the lowest point or the biggest challenge of your career over the past eight years? I think for the most part, easy to point out. But on the other end, sales is so up and down in terms of emotions and winning deals, losing deals, figuring out kind of like what is your formula to be successful. And that being said, I think almost 100% of us in sales do question yourself at some point in, in your career where you're thinking, is this the right business for me? Is, is sales the right avenue that I want to be doing? And that can solely be because it's a grind or because 
clients can be, you know, really difficult. There's so much rejection. There could be, there's a lot of different reasons. I think why sales could be a challenge. And so with all of that, even though I had been in sales for years and I was at LinkedIn and I love working for the company, still do, I felt strongly that I wanted to do something different than, you know, just all day with, with clients and the emotional roller coaster. Right. And so the challenge for me was I thought, okay, I want to stay at LinkedIn. I don't want to stay in sales. So I started exploring other departments at LinkedIn that were not sales positions. And this lasted, you know, over an eight month time frame of a lot of stress trying to figure out which direction my career was going. I know a lot of us have been there when you really don't know which ends up when trying to figure out what truly you want to do with your career um, because it's such a majority percentage of how you're living your life goes to your career Monday through Friday yeah. or maybe seven days a week for some of us. <laughs> yeah. When you were in the midst of that, you know, what was, what was your resolution there? What did you do when you were really up against that challenge? With that, I honestly reached out to as many people as I could that I knew I could learn from whether that be a mentor, a peer, a manager, a friend, a family member, relationship, it's a cheesy thing because everybody says it is just so, so important. I reached out to so many folks just asking, you know, what is your career? What do you do? What is your day-to-day like? And just kind of learning about so many different positions so that I wasn't trying to take a a new role, kind of blindsided and not really understanding what the day-to-day was. And if I would be one, like happy in the role, fulfilled, and still getting some of the benefits I had in sales in another position. I even interviewed for some non-sales roles. And throughout the interview processes, I realized when I was asking myself, what are the things that I want in a job? It actually was sales. Um, Sales actually checked those boxes. So I pivoted back. And soon after, I got promoted in in my role. And I just haven't looked back since. And now I I want to continue staying in sales for as long as I can. Awesome. Well, that's wonderful that it worked out like that. And uh, very exciting that you're in a spot that you see yourself staying for a while. That's great. A lot of people search for that for a long time. Absolutely. And you've spent time in recruiting as well as sales. Obviously, there's some similarities between recruiting and sales, you know, whether you're selling a client on working with you or whether you're really selling a candidate on taking a leap and taking a new opportunity that you feel may be best for them. What do you see as differences between selling to clients versus selling to candidates or is it generally the same process to you? That's a good question because there is definitely, so the, so the common denominator between selling candidates or you know, if you're if you're in recruiting, you're either recruiting, selling the candidate, or maybe you're on the the client side and you're reaching out to companies and um, sharing how you can help them uh, with their talent, you know, uh, and their headcount and things. So, for one, the common denominator, of course, is both roles are selling, and both roles you're going to have your standard like sales cycle. You're going to be speaking with decision makers, influencers champions because you're selling either a product or you're selling in your case what we would say a service Mm -hmm. so you're still going through all of those motions that you need to do to be successful in sales all of the sales activities 
But at the end of the day, there is a very distinct factor that is different between the two. And on the recruiting side, you are selling a person. And on the tech side, from my example, or product side, you're selling a product. Well, I'm curious to ask you from a recruiting perspective, because of course, absolutely, yes, there's there's no product more unpredictable than people. <laughs> so as you were on the recruiting side, what did you do to ensure the best chance possible that the people you were putting in place were going to deliver and they were going to show up, show up on time and be great for your clients? Obviously, we have our process for that and every recruiting firm either has that process or wants to have that process and is trying to make it better. But just curious mm-hmm. your thoughts about how you personally separated out the best candidates and made sure that you were bringing the most value possible for your clients. Right. Cause there's nothing worse when you think you've got the perfect candidate and they don't fulfill the expectations for the client, mm-hmm. but the one piece, and I think maybe this is probably a, you know, general, general like known fact in recruiting is, is honestly references because you can interview a candidate. They could absolutely crush the interview. They presented really well. They've answered all their questions, but you don't know how they're going to perform in a job based off of an interview. You can really ask as many interview questions as you can. So for me and my team, like what we always leaned on was we had to have, you know, sometimes it was three different references before sending them to the client. Now, the difficult part is if you're doing contract and it's a Monday and the client's saying, hey, we want somebody to start on Tuesday. Right. That's where you, right. So that's where you really have to figure out what the process is. So hopefully, one, you have a talent pool in your database of contractors that you've already referenced. And that's like the ideal situation. But if you don't have somebody, um, you know, and you, you find that perfect candidate and they're like, yeah, we can start tomorrow. I would say like, it's still so important to just say to that candidate, great. Can you please provide at least one reference um, so that you can have one conversation, just knowing the candidate is reliable and and will do the job. So I would say in short references, which I know there's again, kind of like some variables around that, but that would be really like the most dependable factor you could rely on. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely especially we do a lot of recruiting salespeople, of course. So reference is more important than ever there because salespeople can sell you on themselves. Honestly, we'll, we'll even verify, you know, numbers, you know, somebody tells us, Hey, I sold X dollars, broke X Mm -hmm. number of clients. We'll even ask, we'll we'll call that supervisor and say, Hey, did this really happen? (laughs) Cause you never know. Exactly. Well, something that I think is helpful, and this is actually internally um, at LinkedIn, the way we get measured, which is, is fine to say this here, is based off of three factors, and it's results, leverage, and leadership. And I think it's a really great framework because mm. if you're interviewing a couple of different sales candidates, and honestly, all of them come and they say, yeah, we've exceeded our quote, like in terms of results perspective, that's probably the first factor you may be looking at. So then it comes down to, how can I differentiate these two sales reps if they're both hitting their numbers and bringing in the revenue, hitting their target, what have you. So then the other two factors you can really consider are leadership and leverage, where sometimes there's a lot of gray area on like, what does leverage truly mean? Um, But you can get a sense on like, how is this person going to make an impact on not just, you know, their own self, their own success, but on the team. 
So what are they doing now in their current role for leverage? Are they creating some sort of framework where they've scaled it out to the team and now everybody on the team is doing it and everybody's doing really well? Are they taking leadership positions? So I think with sales, with interviews, the results piece, of course, but I think the leadership and leverage is also really unique ask in an interview process. Awesome. Absolutely. No, that's, that's great stuff, Sarah. As I mentioned earlier, my team and I, first time that I really had a conversation with you, we were pretty blown away with how much value you provided to us on a routine sales call. I really wanted to, frankly, blow off that call and cancel it. I really only took it because I'm thinking, you know, hey, she's our rep. i got to help her meet her quota. I know it's her job to have a certain number of conversations. I'm sure that's part of it. I don't know the details, but I'm sure that's part of Mm -hmm. it. Took the call, got on the call. You started asking questions about our needs, offering all this expert-level advice about how to use LinkedIn in ways that were, were not obvious at all. And, frankly, by the end of that call three other people were in my office. We were all taking notes on everything you were saying. So one of the most compelling sales calls I've ever been a part of, and it was really all about how much value you provided right off the bat. And you just dove deep into doing that. Have you always had that level of focus on providing value before you make a sale or before you upsell an existing client? Just curious to hear if that's always been a focus for you and any maybe examples of how you've done that in other situations. Well, first, thanks for the context. I was quick on my feet on that call because I knew you didn't want to be in the call that day. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. But in all reality, before even answering your question, I mean, you are prime example of being a president of a company. And what I mean by that is you have limited time in your day. Most of the time, the last thing you want to do is speak with a sales rep. But at the end of the day, when you are investing in your company, of course, you're the one that has to be on the conversation. So from a sales rep perspective, I know if I'm going to be speaking to a president of a company that I actually go into this call with the understanding that they're going to have a very tight schedule and they may not be overly interested in, in what I have to say because a president like yourself is going to have a lot of other responsibilities going on that day outside of taking a call, not just with a salesperson, but with a salesperson you haven't spoken to before. So that's the other thing in sales is before you build that relationship with a client, it is for me crucial to, on that first conversation, make sure you're setting the tone of what a partnership would either be like in the future, or if you're already in a partnership and you're working with other team members, what value can you provide so that you can plant that seed and continue having a relationship with the president after maybe they'll have one call with you and you truly don't have a relationship with them again moving forward because they pass the responsibility to other team members because, like I said, they have other responsibilities. So an example of, like, your question was, is there an example of me doing that in the past or have I always kind of had that maybe, like, mindset? And I would say I can tell you, like, even from being fresh out of college, I I have always had the understanding of, being aware of who I'm going to be on the phone with. And even if it's somebody at a lower level, everybody's time is precious. We're all busy. Mm -hmm. So what can I do to make sure they're not hanging up the phone and like doing an eye roll or getting back to what they were doing and completely forgetting who Sarah Warwick is. So with that mindset of just understanding people's time and 
where can I provide value where I'm not just sitting on the phone with you and selling you whatever product it can be. And that comes from knowing your, your company before you're reaching out to them, knowing what the market's like, what are some insights you can provide, maybe that's around their competition, anything that you can help them with a business. And this can be from a completely free, organic perspective. And for me, I'm fortunate because I have the experience in recruiting and I'm very passionate about the industry. So I do everything I can to keep in the know and up to date, not just for myself, but so I can be that value add when I'm on, on the call with companies like yourself. Well, that's absolutely great stuff. Really, really good. And speaking of people's time, I told you 20 minutes and we're at 20 minutes. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for having me, Rob. I, I really enjoyed it. And I hope you and your team at Affinity Recruiting have an awesome rest of your 2021. Hey, likewise. Thanks again. And thank you to our listeners for spending your time with us. I hope you learned something new. I know I did. If you're hiring in the next 30 days, hey, head over to affinitytoday.com. Check us out. You can book a free call and we can discuss whether we're a good fit for you. And in the meantime, Go sell something.